welcome back to the Evidence-Based Rheumatology Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Putman, and this is episode 32, the Arctic and Taser Trials. Now, I decided to talk about these trials together because they addressed a similar question at a similar time, and I think they're mutually reinforcing. To start, I'm going to talk about the Taser trial. This is entitled Targeting Ultrasound Remission in Early Rheumatoid Arthritis, the results of the Taser study, a randomized clinical trial. It was published in the Annals of Rheumatic Disease in 2016. So the reason for this study is that ultrasound was becoming a promising way of assessing disease therapy. It had been shown to predict flares and erosive disease, and it was felt that perhaps we were missing a lot by our exams and that a treatment strategy aimed at targeting not just remission by clinical parameters, but also by ultrasound parameters may result in a lower rate of long-term damage and better disease control. So to assess this question, the TASER group enrolled patients at three Scottish teaching hospitals from 2009 to 2013. Patients were eligible if they had a new clinical diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis or undifferentiated arthritis. They needed to have a symptom duration of less than a year and active disease defined by the DOS44 greater than 2.4. Patients were excluded if they'd received more than six weeks of DMARDs and the usual things we exclude people from getting methotrexate and such for. So they designed this trial as an open-label, randomized controlled trial. Outcomes were assessed by investigators who were blind to the group allocation. In the control group, DMARD escalation was decided by the DOS28ESR. In the intervention group, it was decided by the DOS28ESR and musculoskeletal ultrasound assessment. Patients underwent monthly review appointments for 18 months and were treated by the same rheumatologist. They escalated therapy in sort of a European fashion, going from methotrexate to more methotrexate to triple therapy, and then finally to a TNF. In the control group, the target was low disease activity. In the intervention group, the target was peripheral joint count. As an open-label study, only patients allocated to the intervention group underwent musculoskeletal ultrasound. Clinical outcome measures were collected every three months by the same rheumatologist who was blinded to treatment strategy. So even though the treatment decisions were not blind, the outcome assessment was blinded. They also performed MRI scans in the dominant wrist and MCP joints um, at baseline in 18 months to assess radiographic progression. The radiologists who read those were blinded. The co-primary clinical and imaging outcomes were the mean change in DAS44 and RAMRIS erosion score. That's just an MRI erosion score between baseline and 18 months. Ultimately, they enrolled 170 patients with a clinical diagnosis of undifferentiated arthritis or rheumatoid arthritis, 111 consented to participate, relatively small rates of dropout. Overall, I think the trial was pretty well done in that regard. Patients in this trial were mostly female, in their mid-50s. They'd had symptoms for about five months. Majority were RF or CCP positive, and their DAS44 scores were around 4.5 at the initiation of the trial. Basically, these are people who probably merited therapy. What did they find? Well, patients randomized to the musculoskeletal ultrasound group wound up receiving more intensive DMARD therapy by a relatively wide margin. The proportion of patients on combo therapy was 67% in the ultrasound group versus 38% in the conventional therapy group. This is probably because there is, as we expected, subclinical synovitis. Now, the real question is not whether we gave them more treatment, but whether giving them treatment based on the ultrasound was beneficial, and the answer is no. In regards to DOS44, the primary outcome measure at 18 months, no significant difference. MRI erosions, no significant difference. There was some small improvements in quality of life measures, which I don't have a great understanding or story for that. Overall, this trial indicates that using ultrasound to guide therapeutic decisions resulted in more therapy, but not a significant clinical benefit. 
Couple things should be thought about here though. Both groups experienced an excellent overall response. And so that will kind of hurt the power of the study to detect a difference. That being said, the confidence intervals were relatively tight. This was a well-powered study, and I don't think that it would have changed much had we got more patients. Another important thing they noted in this trial was that they had a lot of negative ultrasound assessments. So doing this in every clinic did burn a lot of time without necessarily changing a whole lot of therapeutic decisions. Finally, one small quibble with this trial is that there have been a lot of changes in ultrasound technology since this occurred. So theoretically, more high-frequency scanners and better ultrasound equipment could result in a better differentiation between the ultrasound group and the conventional therapy group. All in all, not an encouraging trial. With that in mind, let's go talk about the ARCTIC trial. So the ARCTIC trial was entitled Ultrasound and Management of Rheumatoid Arthritis, the ARCTIC Randomized Controlled Strategy Trial. It was published in BMJ in 2016, around the same time. So this trial was really similar, to be honest. It was a 24-month randomized open-label clinical strategy study conducted 11 centers in Norway. Patients got ultrasound-type control or conventional-type control. Investigators and patients were aware of the allocated treatment group. The readers of the radiographs, just like the TASER study, were masked from clinical information and strategy arms, so they were essentially blinded. Patients in the ultrasound arm were assessed by ultrasound at every visit. Patients in the con conventional arm were assessed by ultrasound yearly, but the patient and the treating physician were blinded to the results of those assessments, and the treating physicians did not have access to ultrasound data in the electronic medical record. Similar to the TASER, the ultrasound tight control used ultrasound imaging remission to find as no power doppler, and the control strategy was targeted towards clinical remission only. Like the TASER study, this was sort of a European-esque and really, I guess, a 2010-esque um, treatment strategy with escalation of methotrexate and then other DMARDs and then eventually TNFs. Primary efficacy endpoint was a proportion of patients meeting the following criteria, sustained clinical remission and no radiographic progression. So again, pretty similar. Patients in this study wound up being around 50 years old. There were more women than men. Most of them had, had disease for around seven months. And there was, again, a high degree of CCP and RF positivity. What did they find in this trial? Well, the ultrasound tight control strategy was not superior to conventional control. Again, there was just no difference between the two. Clinical remission was the same, 22 versus 19%. Components of the primary endpoint were also the same. No swollen joints at 16, 20, and 24 months, 53% in one group, 54% in the other. That's actually not great. Slightly under half of patients still had swollen joints, but Overall, the take-home point here is that there was no significant difference between the two groups. They've got some beautiful Kaplan-Meier curves demonstrating that there was no benefit whatsoever to putting people into the ultrasound arm, and ultimately they concluded that this study does not support the routine use of ultrasound in clinical practice. I am inclined to agree with the authors. In my clinical practice, I just don't use ultrasound to routinely track patients who have either rheumatoid arthritis or an undifferentiated arthritis. Now, I think it's important to emphasize the word routinely because something this trial didn't do was carefully select which patients to do this in. I do have patients who present to me with significant limitations in range of motion, and on x-rays they have erosions, but when you examine them, they just don't seem to have very much synovitis. I suspect that these patients have subclinical synovitis that's meaningful, whereas the patients in Arctic and Taser had subclinical synovitis that was not meaningful. That's a very tight distinction, I suppose, but I do use ultrasound to track patients in some rare cases. I'd say it's maybe one in 20. It's not very common. The second caveat to this study is that all these patients had some kind of arthritis. 
Neither of these trials addressed the question of whether or not ultrasound was useful in diagnosing rheumatoid arthritis or diagnosing undifferentiated arthritis. And to be honest, I've heard a lot of physicians in the past year or two equating those two things. They'll say, I don't routinely use ultrasound in my practice because the Arctic and Taser trials show that it didn't work. Well, that's not really true. They do suggest to me that it wasn't beneficial in long-term monitoring of synovitis, but that's nothing to say about diagnosis. So let's talk about diagnosis for a minute. If we're not going to use ultrasound, what are we left with? We're left with medical history, clinical exam, and lab findings. Now those are all powerful modalities, and I think there's something that all rheumatologists should master. But there's pretty good evidence that those aren't enough. There's a paper in the journal Rheumatology entitled, The Ability of Rheumatologists Blinded to Prior Workup to Diagnose Rheumatoid Arthritis Only by Clinical Assessment, a cross-sectional study. It was published in April of 2018, and I want to go through it briefly just to hammer this point home. So they performed a prospective examiner-blinded study on 100 patients who were referred with suspicion of rheumatoid arthritis. The blinding was a little bit suspect. The person who did the ultrasound theoretically did not know anything about the patient, and the patients were asked not to tell them any specific things. But they were also able to take a complete medical history, then perform a physical exam, and then conduct, conduct the ultrasound exam. So it's hard for me to imagine that they didn't pick up on a little bit of information. They also weren't blinded to NSAIDs or steroids. So again, they probably had some idea of what was going on with the patient. So the primary outcome of this study was to definitively diagnose or exclude some sort of inflammatory-related arthritis, solely on clinical assessment or with musculoskeletal ultrasonography. So of the 100 patients, 75 were ultimately discharged with a diagnosis of an inflammatory arthritis. 43 of those patients ultimately had rheumatoid arthritis. So the ability to correctly arrive or rule out a diagnosis of an inflammatory-related disease was 14% after the medical history, 27% after the physical examination, and 53% after you added ultrasound. Those are pretty depressing numbers. That says that just on medical history and examination alone, over half of patients aren't correctly diagnosed. As with all of these studies, the problem is the gold standard. Their gold standard was the ultimate diagnosis at discharge, which was adjudicated by a blinded, blinded assessor. But this kind of gold standard always makes me uncomfortable. There's always a chance that the person who adjudicated this was wrong, or that the hospital diagnosis was wrong. It's also worth knowing that adding labs improved things further, from 53% after you'd added ultrasound to 70% after you added laboratory testing. I kind of wish they'd done this the other way around, where they did first the history, then the exam, then the labs, and then the ultrasound. Because in truth, we're all doing labs on these patients. But the question that I want to know is whether or not we should do ultrasound as well. Regardless, this study shows that the exam and the medical history are probably not sufficient to diagnose a large number of patients who have possible inflammatory arthritis. There's a lot of other papers that support this. There's a publication in 2017 in Arthritis Research and Therapy by Mirth Vanderben, um, called The Absence of Ultrasound Inflammation in Patients Presenting with Arthralgia Rules Out the Development of Arthritis, and it essentially did. No old positive on the ultrasound had negative predictive value of 89%. There was also a paper published in 2017 in BMC Musculoskeletal Disorders that showed that earlier diagnosis and earlier DMARD initiation occurred in patients who were screened with ultrasound. It wasn't a huge difference, something like a couple months, but it did appear that patients who came in and got an ultrasound diagnosis arrived at a diagnosis more quickly and received DMARD therapy more quickly, all of which are laudable goals. How do we bring this all together? Well, as you can tell, this is an evolving literature. The Arctic and Taser trials were in 2016, and the more recent publications are even the last year or two. I do find the Arctic and Taser results to be pretty convincing, 
and I do not follow ultrasound in all patients routinely. In patients who present with subclinical synovitis, in the sense that they have clear deformities or erosive disease, but I don't feel like their symptoms track disease very well, I will use ultrasound to keep an eye on them. It's a very small minority of patients though. And finally, in patients who come to me with joint pains, a history that's somewhat equivocal, and exam findings that are somewhat equivocal, I've been leaning heavily on ultrasound as the tiebreaker. If they have no inflammation on an ultrasound, then I tend to tell them, you know, this is probably fibromyalgia or some other related condition. If they do have inflammation on the ultrasound, good studies show that that predicts the future development of an inflammatory arthritis. Good studies show that ultrasound synovitis does predict the development of erosive disease. And patients who have inflammation in those joints, I suspect, will respond to inflammatory therapy. Sometimes I'll give them a pulse of steroids just to see if that makes them feel a whole lot better. And other times I'll just initiate them on therapy. Now there's a problem underlying all of this that I think we should discuss, which is the problem of calibration. In doing this strategy, I'm trying to minimize the number of people who I don't treat. This is just a suspicion, but I suspect that a lot of the people who come in with inflammatory sounding symptoms, but no physical exam evidence of inflammation, really do have something that we could treat. By adding ultrasound, I am accepting the possibility that I'm treating a few people who I would not have treated otherwise, thereby accepting some degree of overdiagnosis. I don't think it's that much, but that's my personal impression. If you're not doing ultrasound on these people, then you're accepting some degree of undertreatment, which may be reasonable. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Please give me feedback on Twitter. I'm at E-B-R-H-E-U-M, E-B-R-H-E-U-M, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening, and have a great day.